0: you are listening to the cross point fellowship podcast we are in a series called once upon a parable where jesus utilizes stories to tell us what the kingdom of god is really like uh, uh talk to me a little bit last week i didn't let you talk but i would probably have incriminated you if i let you talk last week so uh talk to me a little bit this week about you know what what's what's the re- recent now you don't have to like it or like them or whatever but What's a recent um uh overnight success or you know instant or internet phenomenon? What what what's what's some recent overnight success or internet phenomenon here? Anybody? Anybody? Challenge. Do what? Ice bucket challenge. Ice bucket challenge. Yeah, that was an internet phenomenon for sure. You know, and I was waiting, you know, of course, you know, I was waiting for Hot hundred degree days and cold buckets, all cardiac arrest and yeah, we unfortunately got that. Yeah. Charlie bit my finger. What? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Charlie bit my finger. What is that? Well, I mean, recently didn't that reminds me, didn't we have the apparently kid? Apparently, and then you know Ellen, you know the Rosie and Rosie and uh, what the two British girls kids, yeah. oh, Gracie. Gracie, and Gracie and Rosie, yeah, yeah, Gracie. What? <laughs> you know, I missed that one. With. I missed that one. That yeah, it sounds cute. Don't poke. You you don't poked my heart. So I'm glad that whole poke thing for Facebook went away because that was just awkward. Like, don't poke me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't poke me. What, Lydia? What? 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 You got to do what? Lily's Disneyland surprise. I missed that one. I freak out every time I go to, somewhere anyway. <laughs> All right, yeah, cool, that's, that's, that's cool. So our culture, our culture, we, we, we like it in America. We like the big. We like the internet successes and the overnight successes and the internet phenomenons and, and go big or go home. And, you know, there's a slogan, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. But really, really, really in America, I mean, we kind of pin that on Texas, but really in America, I mean, that's just an American thing that we like to go big or go home. But what that ends up producing, what that ends up producing that if you're not perfect, if you don't have it all together, you just, like i can't be used i'm useless i'm worthless and so that actually translates into the church because we end up going you know what i am not good out in society i can't go big or go home i don't have my my act together and my stuff together so therefore i am completely useless and i am useless inside of the church it's actually that it's a mindset that we as americans have and that's kind of the effect that that mindset has and we're in this series called Once Upon a Parable. We're taking a look at the parables of Jesus, especially the parables that, that Jesus told in Matthew 13. We're going to be in Matthew 13. And, 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 and these parables, they are not true stories, as in like these are something that Jesus saw or witnessed, but they are believable stories, but they're believable stories that have a point. Not like an Aesop's fable point or a rule of thumb point. It's a point that is a truth about God's kingdom and about the realities of God's kingdom and what God's kingdom is like. And we started off this, this series with the, with the treasure and that God's kingdom is like like the best treasure that you would ever find so much so that you'd go all in with everything that you had in order to receive this treasure. And then, and then we looked at if we go all in and, and that all in grows and the, the, we invest with that all in and that, 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 that investment grows, what does it look like to, 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 to produce or make our heart or make our soil ready for growth and then last week we saw the weeds and the wheat that that the evil and the good are all you know what they're all growing together they're all growing together and see if if a lot of churches and a lot of christians look at that reality in the world and say it's so bad out there that the church is doomed we're so small And nobody's interested anymore. We preach the gospel here, but nobody comes. We've never heard that before, have we? And we get in this mindset and this mentality that says, we're just too small. We're just going to be choked out. And all these weeds are around, and we're just going to be choked out. Is there any hope? And so when we take a look at this, this this all together society, if we don't have it all together, then we're useless to society. And the recent song Cool Kids kind of hits that, right? So how does that apply to the kingdom? And what does kingdom growth look like? What is kingdom growth? Look like Matthew 13:31 is where we're going to be. You're going to follow along on a hardbound Bible. We're going to throw the scriptures up on the screen. We encourage you to download the Bible app on your smartphone or tablet. And here to serve, all one word. And two is T-O. We're not cute with like you know two. You know we don't put an end it, it, E at the end of crosspoint. We're not cute like that. So you know we're not cool. We're not the cool kids like that. So we just go straight up uh, there. So here to serve is our is our Wi-Fi code. And uh, you can take notes. Uh, we, we've got an event there right in the Bible app. You can take notes there and you can post to Facebook or Twitter. We encourage you to po- post to Facebook about what God is showing you and teaching you, how he wants to, how he wants to grow you. And We're, we're, we're going to be in Matthew 13, starting in verse 31. What does kingdom growth look like? Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make its nest. Uh, make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like a yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So, you know, these aren't stories that Jesus is saying, you know, I saw this guy once, or this plant, and, but, but these are believable stories. These are stories that we have seen, or especially the first century uh, Jerusalem and Judea people have seen they've seen a mustard seed grow into a mustard tree and they have seen or they have personally worked a yeast into dough See, if you've cooked, if you've used mustard seed as a, as a as a spice, and you're cooking, you know how small mustard seeds are, and they grow to become a plant that even birds can rest on. They're not a grass. They're not an herb. They're, they're, they're a legitimate tree that birds can come rest on, and the, this idea of the yeast is actually probably more like sourdough, that, that, this, that this woman would, would would take a piece of sourdough from baked bread and, and, and put it in the dough and have to knead it. You know, this isn't the day of of, of bread machines, right? Right? Like, Jesus wasn't talking about a bread machine where, you know, like my wife, she puts it all in a bread machine says, go, and she's like, it's done. This is when you actually had to work. You know, this was the bread machine right here. She had to work that yeast or that sourdough through the dough to make it good throughout. So what what does kingdom growth look like? What is kingdom growth? First of all, Jesus is t- teaching us that it's both external and internal. It's both external and internal. The, the, the kingdom grows externally and internally. External growth is that you can actually see the growth. And Jesus, the, the, the growth here in the kingdom, what we're talking about is both individual and corporately as a, as a group. That externally, the people that that, that that are around you and see your life can see you growing in the kingdom. And see you becoming more like Christ. And really, if you're, if you're new to the church thing or just coming back to the church thing, all we're interested in is seeing you have faith enough in Jesus to become more like Christ. That's it. But that external growth, that people that are around you can go, hey, I, I, I see that you're growing, you're becoming more like Christ. I see it. But see, we're the last ones to see our own growth, right? Those of you with kids, you get this. Like you go see your family in a in a far-off state. That that you that family only sees you every every six months or so, and then they see your kids and they're like, man, boy, sure. They have sure grown, and you're like, yeah yeah but you see them every day right you see them every day you don't actually physically see them grow daily like our family our family we every 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 birthday actually really three out of the four because Noah and Isaiah's birthdays are only a couple weeks apart because really you know there's not a whole lot of growth you can see in that but every every one of the uh, three of the four birthdays we we measure we've got a blue board where we measure their growth their physical growth and Elijah and Josiah's birthdays are two months apart. So when, when Josiah had a birthday, we measured the growth. And you know, so we went from January to June, and you know, there's significant growth there. And then June to August, so only a couple months later, that Elijah had his birthday. We're like, ah, dude, should we really do this? I mean, come on. It's just a couple of months. Because we can't see the growth, right? We're with them every day. And so every one of them grew two or three inches. We're just like, daggum! No! Like, no wonder, like, Elijah right now at eight is a human garbage disposal. We're just like, holy smokes, when you become a teenager, what is this going to do to us? Gee, you're going to have to get a job just to feed yourself. Like, pow! Like, if I'm gone refereeing on a night, like, Nicole has to dip mine first and save it in the fridge before Elijah gets a hold of it. He's eight going on 15. But when you you are the last one to see your own growth because you are part of you every moment of the day. Like, you just went to psychology class. That's all I'm going to say. There, you're like, my, my brain just... You're a part of you all the time, so you, you, it's hard for you to see your growth. But somebody that that is externally this is why small groups are so important because they can encourage that growth that that you are growing in Christ. But also also as a corporate body that that that. that externally we see the growth we 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 physically see the growth and you know the whole wall thing and and we're trying to physically you know numerically see the growth but also seeing more team members and seeing new small groups and seeing small groups get bigger and, and and seeing seeing more people engaged we're seeing the growth externally as a corporate body so much so that i think this time period even though it's been painstakingly slow god has this kind of in an incubator growing us so that when we do knock down that wall, we're ready to hold the numbers. Because it's not about the numbers, it's about making disciples. But also that internally, internally. So you see a tree grow, and, and you can physically watch the bread rise, but the photosynthesis and the roots taking the nutrients out of the ground, you can't see that. You can't see the internal processes that it takes to make a tree grow externally. And you don't see the chemical process that it takes to make yeast, to make the dough the, 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 the rise. We can't see that. We can't see the internal processes that make us grow spiritually. And the internal processes that, that it takes to grow a church See, God alone is responsible for the fruit of the kingdom. However, he has given us tools to make kingdom growth, make us p- be in the best spot for kingdom growth as possible. And see, this external, internal, this this this, this dance, this sweet dance that, that, that is, is nice but also frustrating because it's like, we, as Americans, we want to do something. And like, there's some stuff that we can do, but ultimately it's God that does it. And Paul talks about this in, in Ephesians 3.20. And, and people in churches kind of grab a hold of this and focus on the external aspect of this. But that's not the, all that there is behind this. Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. See, we focus on that last part that he'll do more than we might ask or think. The external, like pray for a 100, or pray for 150, or pray for this, or pray for that, and God will do more. See, I've had my heart broken because God hasn't answered those prayers. But that's not what God wants to do. He wants to do more in us. The mighty power at work in us, the internal, the internal growth impacts the external growth. He wants to do more in us so then we see the external growth but see when we see this growth what what actually happens when we see this growth what happens if we actually see kingdom growth the, the kingdom growing inside of us and the kingdom because it's growing inside of us we're seeing this external growth what actually occurs what actually happens And each illustration, each parable, the two parables, each one kind of gives us, gives us what happens when the kingdom grows. The tree, a mustard tree, it starts off as a teeny, 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 teeny little seed, but it becomes a tree that birds can actually build its nest in and find rest in. I believe that Jesus added that bird part very intentionally, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is the place that, that we come and find rest in. We come and find rest in. The kingdom grows to give rest, to give rest to, to those who are weary, to those that are beat up by the world, to those that are broken, to those that, that, that just need rest. I was watching a, an interview, a pastor was interviewing the um, the CEO of GE, General Electric, and and uh, it, it was a leadership conference deal. But it, but it's a church in Chicago that does this leadership conference, and and the pastor of that church was interviewing this the CEO of of GE, and and and, and you know kind of facetiously said, "Hey, I've you know done my research and done my homework," and he said, "I I, I hear that your wife goes to church religiously, goes to church a lot, but." you not quite so much. And the CEO, you know, oh, shucks, you know, you caught me. And the pastor's like, I don't want to talk about why you don't go to church, but I want to talk about when you do go to church, what what do you get from it? Why do you go? What, 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 what do you want from church? And, and the CEO says, you know what? I work 80-hour weeks. I work 80-hour weeks. He said, guys like me that work 80 hour weeks guys and gals like me that work 80 hour weeks you know we only t- need a couple of hours to recharge and refresh he said when I go to church when I, when I actually go there what I get out of it is it, it's a place of rest it's a place where I can recharge and that's what we want and that's what the kingdom is supposed to be it's supposed to be a place of rest but 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 let's compare this a place of rest versus a people of rest a people of rest See, I I understand what he's saying there, but what if we were actually a people of rest? Uh, That's actually a greater thing than a place of rest because a people of rest will create a place of rest, but it's much bigger than a place of rest. See, a people of rest, see, if we were just a place of rest then I would work hard and Phil would work hard and, and our team leads would work hard and some core leaders would work hard to create a place where most people can sit and just rest. But see, a people of rest is the people who are a part of the kingdom that says, I am going to work in rest in my giftings because when I work in my giftings, I am giving people who are weary the, the, the opportunity to rest and I go home energized because I have given people an opportunity to rest. But when I work out of rest, I am energized because I am... Utilizing what God has given me. This is why Jesus said there is a food. When he got done with, with, with ministering to the woman at the well, there is food that you know nothing about that is greater than food that can be put in my body, and that, that is doing the Father's will. Doing the Father's will energizes us and gives us rest. And we do the Father's will. We do the Father's will in order to give people who need rest, rest to those of you that that are just checking this church thing out again the kingdom is about a people of rest see actually and I kind of refer to this illustration um, decently often that cheers got this right where sometimes the church didn't show cheers why is that so popular not because it was a place of rest but because it was a People of rest where everybody knows your name. And there were fights and there were struggles and there was tension. But you know what? It was a people of rest and they could always go there to find rest. Not because the place was a place of rest, but because the people was a people of rest. And see, this gives us this shows us uh, the, 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 actually the way that God intends His church to grow. See, it's church growth against kingdom growth. And I use church growth, I'm going to use church growth in the most negative connotation as possible. So if you go and read a blog or read an article or hear somebody talk about church growth, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're char- talking about this negative stereotype that I'm going to use. But for comparative... Reasons I want to use it in a very negative light, but church growth, and maybe some of you have experienced this, and probably still a lot of you have experienced this. Growing, you know, we're, the, we're in the Bible Belt. Maybe some of you stepped away from the church for a while because of church growth. A church growth, as compared to kingdom growth, churches grow by growing with people that look good that have it all together, that have it all right, that look perfect. And see, this is an easier way to grow because they come in knowing about how to tithe. About what Sunday school is and what small groups is are. About how 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 you know they could even lead one and be a part of ministries quickly. See, church growth can be pretty can look good. Because what we're doing is we're attracting other people that look good. Versus kingdom growth. See, kingdom growth is attracting people who need rest. Who don't have it all together. And they know it. That's why they're there. And if we're focused in on church growth, of, of attracting people who look good and who have it all together the people that need rest and want rest and are weary, they'll come in and realize they don't belong because they don't have it all together. Are we going to be a church that focuses on church growth or kingdom growth? Because kingdom growth is harder. They don't know how to tithe. They don't know what small groups are or even the reason for small groups. In fact, they'll start coming and then go back out into society and other Christians will start talking about us because they don't have it all together and they go to cross point. Guess what? None of us have it all together. None of us have it all together. And those of you that come, and you're like, well, I've been a part of church, and I'm just kind of, you know, needing a church, and et cetera, and and it's not like I'm a non-fan, and I need rest, and blah, blah, blah. Do you want me? Here's what we say to you. You have the Holy Spirit on your life already. So the Holy Spirit will lead you to where you need to be a part of on a mission. Here's what we invite you to. A mission that says we invite you to stand alongside of us to give people rest. That's what we say to you. We're not going to chase you down. We're not going to hunt you down. We're, 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 we instead want to go after those who need rest, who don't have the Holy Spirit on their life. And we simply invite you to stand alongside of us on mission going after those who are part of the kingdom of darkness who, who need the kingdom of light and who need rest. That's what we invite you to. Because see, I've seen a church that have pursued people because they've had it all together. They've got a lot of money. They've been in ministry before. They can add a lot to this church. All the while not doing anything to go after those who don't know Christ. Let that never be said of Crosspoint. Let Crosspoint be a church that is focused on kingdom growth, going after those, pursuing those, as Luke 15 says, that are lost. don't know God and we just invite you we invite you to be alongside of us on this mission to create a people who will give rest to those who are weary see Jesus tells this parable to say you know what it starts off small But it becomes a place, a people that will give rest to others. See, another parable that we read this week in our reading plan, if you're reading along with us, Luke 14, 12. Then he turned to his host, Jesus turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, Don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Here Jesus is saying, feed those that won't feed you back. And he's literally talking about having people into your home. And I'm going to apply this broader to to not just physical feeding, but spiritual feeding. Are we willing to feed those that can't feed us back or maybe even won't feed us back? See, that's what kingdom growth is about. See, church growth is about feeding those who can feed us back. I'm going to chase you because you'll start tithing here. Isn't that disgusting how I say that? But that's a reality, and many of us have seen that. But will we be a church that will feed those who can't, won't, not interested in feeding us back? Not just physically, but spiritually as well. See, kingdom growth is a whole lot different. a whole lot harder. We have to actually get our hands dirty and roll our sleeves up and serve. That's why we do these things. Soccer tailgate party, pre-games. I mean, we're literally feeding people. And maybe we'll, probably, we'll never ever come here and maybe never say thank you, never say anything. And you know what? That's okay because it's kingdom growth. Not church growth. Because when we serve and we get out it leads to the second parable, the point of the second parable, that the kingdom permeates the culture, a broken culture. See, just like yeast permeates throughout the bread when, when, when the woman or the man needs the bread. See, needing the bread isn't easy, is it? It takes work. It takes some forearms to get that yeast worked through the bread. It takes work It takes patience, it takes diligence to get that yeast throughout the bread. And it's the same thing, to work the kingdom out into a broken culture. It takes work, it takes patience, it takes diligence. See, this is why I want us to adopt hard places to do mission work in. Instead of doing one night stand mission trips, feels good for a little bit but does nobody any good, You can put that on Facebook. Instead of doing one night stand mission trips, actually engage and adopt a culture, a place that we do the hard work in, that we have patience with, that we do diligence with in order to work the kingdom into the culture. Instead of making ourselves look good, patting ourselves on the back, but we're not really doing a whole lot of long-term good. Well, we'll adopt some place here in in America and and looking to do at least a vision trip early next year in a place to to see if that's where where God wants us to go engage and serve and work the kingdom into there and then ultimately an unreached people group that does not know the gospel at all somewhere in this world that we will adopt not to do a one night stand in and pat, pat ourselves in the back so that we can feel good but so that we can engage long term in an area so that we can see the kingdom be permeated throughout that broken culture. See, this is how the early church did it. See, the early church should have never made it through the first century. See, we're talking about a guy, Jesus. He was born in a backwoods community. And he grew up in an even backwoodsier community than what he was born in. Just for illustration to pull out a couple of cities. Be like being born and clever and growing up in Bodark. And then, and then show up expecting to have impact. And you're like, what? Where are you from? Clever. You think you're clever? Trained as a carpenter. And so when he started teaching spiritual things, people were like, dude, you're Joseph's son. You're a carpenter. You weren't trained in the religious circles. What are you doing? He picked 12 guys that had zero religious training at all. In fact, he picked some fishermen. He picked a tax collector. He picked a religious zealot, which was basically a religious terrorist of that day, who wanted to kill tax collectors. Jesus had to be nuts. I mean, their their times together were full of tension. When you've got one guy who who had an occupation that another guy wanted to kill, I mean, that's like that's like pulling a mouse and a cat into a cheese convention. Like this ain't gonna work. And then out of those 12 guys, out of those 12 guys, one betrayed him, one denied him, and the other 10 fled at his death. So you got a dead leader, <laughs> 12 irreligious dudes who are now gone. This is a great start. This is a great start to Christianity, right? Right? The guy raises back from the dead, gets those 11 plus 120 others that were kind of on the periphery and says, hey, I'm about ready to leave you. I have all authority. I'm going to give that to you and you go make disciples of all the earth. And then he levitated into heaven. (laughs) You know, this is this is getting off to an awesome start. And these guys were just the, the biggest bunch of cowards. They would like go lock themselves in in the room so that people would not arrest them. So we got 120 people, most of them cowards, they have no idea what's next, no idea what to do next. The Holy Spirit came on them. 3,000 more were baptized in one day. So now we've got 3,000 more, but many of those were, were from all other parts of the Roman kingdom, the Roman empire. Pretty soon in Acts, we see that 5,000 men had come to be, become believers in Jerusalem. So we're, we're growing. We've got 5,000 men, so 10, 15,000 people part of the church of Jerusalem. But, but, know your history? Within 400 years, the emperor of Rome became a Christian. Now, we can debate whether he really became a Christian or not, but even if he didn't really become a Christian, he felt political pressure to become a Christian because over half of his empire were Christians. Probably over a million. Within 400 years. Starts with... (laughs) 12 guys, one who killed himself and the 11 others that were scaredy-cats to become over half of the Roman Empire. So much so that the emperor at minimum felt the need to call himself a Christian in order to be with the major constituent of his empire. And then down through the ages to where we are sitting here now in this all because these group of eleven group of a hundred and twenty when the spirit came on them they permeated the society a broken society every society they went to they served to permeate the society See, this is why we need to serve their parties, not crash them. In order to serve a broken culture, not yell at it, because that's what kingdom growth looks like. See, I know atheists like Richard Dawkins and, and others have talked about how nothing good has come from religion. Well, the only problem with that is history. The concept of orphanages to take care of the young who are not being taken care of. That was started by Christians who were serving their society. The concept of hospitals who were taking care of the sick when nobody else would take care of them. And and, and, and plagues, when when everybody else fled the city, Christians ran into the city. Why? Because they were kingdom-minded people focused on bringing brokenness or bringing healing to brokenness. And the hospitals were, were born because of Christians. Slavery. Or the tearing down of slavery. William Wilberforce. Devout, devout, kingdom-minded dude. But it took him years. Years. But work, patience, diligence... He saw the slave trade destroyed and three days before he died, he got the chance to see slavery come to an end in England. Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, now today the sex slave trade and the sex industry and the brokenness that occurs there, just down our street, right? Christians are at the forefront of bringing that industry and culture down but not by yelling at them by serving them. By telling young ladies who are only used to men taking advantage of them God loves you and treasures you. Because most of them are forced into that industry. They don't choose that. They get hooked up with some pimp early on, and he puts them in there. Clean water. The brokenness that clean water or uh, uh, impure water gives a community in, in, in third world countries, Christians are at the forefront of correcting that. I listened to a guy this, this week on, on a Catalyst podcast. He, he, he started a, a, a deal in Iraq giving heart surgeries to babies. There's a high spike of, of, of babies with, with uh, heart defects in Iraq because of um, past deals. He's a Christian in the middle of Iraq, healing, broken permeating that culture. God's given you gifts, talents, a job in order to heal brokenness. To heal brokenness. Right there in your job. To heal brokenness. Jesus is telling us, kingdom growth, guess what? You don't have to have it all together. It starts as a mustard seed in your heart. I'm not good. I don't have it all together. I, I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't know this stuff. It's okay. Jesus is telling us that God is patient with our growth. It took him several thousand years to get around to bringing us his son. From creation. He's still, 2,000 years later after that, he's still at work completing this thing. God's patient. God wants you to grow worse than you want you to grow. God is more patient with your growth than you're patient with your own growth. God is patient. But he wants to use your growth to give rest to others and to permeate a broken culture. Our next series will be taking an in-depth look at what it looks like when the kingdom comes close and we see healing come comes to a broken culture. It's called Restored. Start October 19. A couple of questions. One, did you come here this morning needing rest? And we want this to be a safe people where you can be honest about not having rest. There'll be a couple people in the back, we'd love to talk to you, pray with you about that. And the other question, how does God want to use you to heal a broken society? How does God want to use your growth to heal a broken society? Well how do I grow? Just like any gardener you have tools. God's given us tools. Bible, prayer, community. given us tools to prepare us for growth. Now as we grow We're asking God, how do you want me to heal a broken culture, a broken society? Because what Jesus tells us is this. Even a small seed can have a huge impact. Even a small seed can have a huge impact. With work, diligence, and patience. And Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. And I just pray that you will continue to show us how you want us to grow personally. But even more than that, that you, how you want to take this growth and, 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 and use it to permeate societies and to, and to, and to take your, your kingdom into to, uh, uh, to people who don't know about it and to give rest. Let us be a people who who are known for giving rest to others. That we work hard to give rest. But that you energize us even while we work. Because we're doing your will. And that's what energizes us. That's what feeds us. Let us be a people like that. We thank you for the opportunity to come to your feet and worship you we thank you for being patient with our growth even when we're not patient with our own growth do a work in people's hearts this morning To the name we pray amen go ahead and stand a couple of us will be in the back if you want to come and and talk about needing rest otherwise worship the one that gives you rest so you can give that to others Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. Find us on Facebook at MyCrosspoint, where we help you connect with God on a daily basis.